welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast that bows down to Scott Frost. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who is sure to overrate Nebraska. That would be me, Ryan Newman, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm joined by the other brother, who still misses Eric Crouch. Ooh. I do. I do. That's Trey (laughs) Newman. (laughs) Uh, So last episode, we covered the Big Ten East, and today we're going to preview the West, of course, and make our Big Ten championship picks. If you're enjoying our previews, let us know on Twitter, at CFB Bros, or leave us a rating and review in your podcast app. But let's get into the Big Ten West, and we'll start with a game of Call Me Crazy But. Ryan, why don't you get us started? Okay, Call Me Crazy, but I think two Big Ten teams will make the playoff this year. So, I don't think a two-loss Big Ten team would be able to make the playoff, but I think it's plausible and that two Big Ten teams could finish the season with just one loss. And with the strength of the conference, so many top teams... I think a a one-loss Big Ten team is going to be hard to keep out, even if it's the team that didn't win the conference. So um, I don't think I'm personally that crazy for saying this, but I'm interested to see what you guys have to say. Well, you're you're not totally crazy here because it is feasible, but I'm going to say you're crazy because in order for this to happen, an unbeaten or maybe one-loss Wisconsin would have to win the Big Ten championship over an unbeaten Ohio State or Michigan, in, in my opinion. As we saw last year, Wisconsin's only loss was to Ohio State in the title game, and it was really close, but they didn't even get a sniff at the playoff. So Ohio State or Michigan will have more quality wins where they'd be able to lose the title game and still get in, I believe. So I don't think you're crazy, and I kind of disagree with both of you. I think that a two-loss team could get in. It's eventually going to happen, and this year looks like the Big Ten might be a possible candidate for it. So let's say say Ohio State goes 11-1, with their only loss to Michigan and Michigan's 10 and two, maybe they lost at Notre Dame and and maybe to Michigan state. So they make the big 10 title beat Wisconsin. I think Michigan with 11 and two, maybe the toughest schedule in the country that might be good enough to get in along with Ohio state. Yeah. There's a couple of different scenarios that could, that could make it work. And that's one of them. So yeah, I, I yeah, I, I'm, it's, it's definitely possible. Yeah. I mean, there's five teams in the, in the big 10 that it wouldn't be a shock if they, if they made the playoff. All right. All right. Call me crazy, but I think the West will produce five bowl teams. Before you jump off your wagons and and say no, Wisconsin... Uh, How did you know I was podcasting from a wagon? (laughs) (laughs) That schooner of yours, I knew it. (laughs) Wisconsin, Iowa, Northwestern, and then you've got Purdue, Minnesota, Nebraska. I believe that last clump of three is going to produce two bowl teams. Minnesota and Nebraska have some manageable non-conference schedules. So they should get a, a good head start towards bowl, bowl eligibility. All right. I mean, I, I, I think it's not crazy. Uh, if you look at the the win totals, six of the seven teams in the, in the division have win totals set at six or above. But for some of them, the under is favored. And then, of course, you know, for every team that overperforms, they're going to be taking away wins from the others. So I think five is a little bit high. I, I would probably put it at four. But it's not crazy. 
Yeah, no, it's not crazy. Just like you said, Mike, six of them have the, the, their season win total set at six. Last year, they had four make it, and Minnesota just missed. They went five and seven. So I th- we all know Illinois <laughs> won't make it, but it's possible <laughs> hey, for you never the, know. You, you never no, know. We, I think we do. <laughs> so, I mean, those other six teams should be getting at least one win against Illinois. So that's going to bump their cause. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to say you're not crazy. It could definitely happen. Okay, last one. Call me crazy, but I think we have no idea whether Paul Christ is actually a good head coach. And so for the reason for this, my, my case here is, is the Wisconsin effect. You look at Brett Bielema. We thought he was one of the best coaches in college football. He goes to Arkansas, flames out. Gary Anderson had a couple solid years at Wisconsin, goes to Oregon State, terrible, of course. And then we, we also have evidence of Paul Christ himself. He was the head coach at Pitt for, for three years, and he went six and six every year in the regular season. So I just think Wisconsin is, is kind of become a machine, and we're just not at all sure how their coaches would do elsewhere. So what do you think? Am I crazy, Ryan? No, I don't think you're crazy at all. I think uh, I actually agree with you here. Um, in three years, he said at Pittsburgh as Pittsburgh's head coach, he was 19 and 19. And then yeah. the three years before he was there, they were actually more successful. They won more games at Pitt. And then the three years after he left, they won more games in that three-year period. I think he's definitely um, benefiting from the Wisconsin way. You know, Barry Alvarez got it going, and then uh, Bielema just took over, and then Gary Anderson. So it's more just the Wisconsin kind of pulling um, pull Chris, Paul Christ ahead. So I don't I – don't, I mean, Chris, he's not a bad coach. I mean, you don't go 13-1 and and not be a good coach, but – Wisconsin's helping him. Yeah, I I don't think you're crazy either. He Chris inherited the number one scoring defense and number number two total defense, and they've also been pretty fortunate to have some favorable schedules since he's been there, and they're in a weak division. And the program was already stable when he got there, and since he's been there, their offense has been fairly average, and that's supposed to be his calling card. So I I do not think you're crazy at all. All right, Wisconsin fans are going to love us for that one. Yep. I mean, it's an amazing program, uh, yeah. regardless of whether... Yeah, just, that's not the debate. We're, we're just talking about Chris, not the Wisconsin program. Yeah, we, true. You know? All right, let's get to the tiered rankings and over-under picks. We will start with the contenders, and we actually only have one contender. Who's that, Trey? The Badgers of Wisconsin. Their over-under sits at 10, with the under being a slight favorite at minus 130. So... Another factor to why Paul Christ is, is fortunate is because their offense only has to replace two starters this year, and of course, they return Jonathan Taylor at running back. So if the offense doesn't take a step forward this year, I'll be somewhat curious, or I guess I should say more curious about, about Paul Christ and his, his coaching ability. <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't wait to see how much Ryan bags on, on Hornybrook in this segment here, too, so... <laughs> Uh, they do return Quintez Cephas at wideout from from injury, and he's a proven weapon out there. He does Hornibrook will lose safety blanket Troy Fumagalli at tight end, so that that should hurt. But the ba- Badgers just seem to grow those those guys on trees. Same with the offensive line, and the offensive line in this case they return most of its production on defense. Coordinator Leonard, he's proven to be one of the better young coaches thus far. Schedule-wise, they avoid Ohio State, but they do have to play at Michigan and at Penn State. Within the division, they have to play at Northwestern and at Iowa, so a little bit more daunting schedule than they've had in the past. But 
I don't see them being able to match last year's success as the schedule, like I just mentioned, is slightly more difficult. So I'm going to go under. Okay. Well, I guess I'm going to surprise you here a little bit, Trey. Um, I, I, as harsh as we've been on Alex Hornibrook, and Michael has been the ringleader a little bit for that as nope, well. Nope, I'm, I'm, I'm in recovery now. Yeah, you are. No, you are. <laughs> you are. But you were in the past. Like last year, you were, you were very hard on him. <laughs> um, but for as hard as we have been on him, he's actually pretty solid. If you look at the numbers, the stats are somewhat good. So, um, sorry, Alex. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we won't treat you as poorly this year. Just stop throwing so many interceptions. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but, okay, so we know the offense is going to be good. Trey, you touched on that. Defensively, they were amazing last year. Um, top five good. And they should be really good again this year. Just maybe a little, a little bit of a drop-off. Um, the linebacking core, for to me, has been the reason why Wisconsin has been so good. They always have playmakers there, um, and they're going to be great at that position again. They got Edwards, Connolly, and Van Ginkle coming back. To me, the question marks are are the secondary and at defensive end. Um, they lose four key contributors in the secondary. They lose Derek Tyndall and Nick Nelson, two really good corners. That's going to hurt. Um, they lose both of their starting defensive ends, so there's some questions there. You know, I don't think they're going to have a top five defense again, but I do see a top 15 type of defense. Jim Leonard has done a great job with them. So I'm actually going to take the over here. I like the Badgers. Um, I think the schedule is pretty manageable. They avoid Ohio State and Michigan State. So I'm going to go over uh, on, the buck- on the Badgers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take the under here. Um, the offense, like you said, Trey, everyone coming back. So they're going to get better probably, but I don't think they're going to get a ton better. And, no. and I think, I, I know I'm going back and forth on Hornybrook here, but I think he does put a little bit of a cap on the offense if he's not able to reduce those turnovers. Last year in Big Ten play, 13 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. So if they want to be a true playoff contender, you know, I, I think he's going to have to improve that. So, so that combined with a defense that you mentioned all the talent they're, they're losing, right? I mean, that, there's a lot of key contributors gone. So in the secondary, yeah, they're not going to be as good as last year. Okay. So for that reason, I'm going to go under, but I've got a question for you guys before we move on. What do you think the, because uh, it seems like Wisconsin is is obviously one of the most likely teams to win their division, if not the most likely. Yeah. But what do you think the betting odds imply that Wisconsin's odds are to win the division? So give me give me a percentage. Um, Boy, I'll say four to five. Okay, that's not a percentage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a percentage. Sorry. 80% or 20%. what are you doing (laughs) what which which is it i it's 80 yeah yeah uh i'm gonna say i'm gonna say 90 okay so 67 percent. that's what the odds imply so it's not quite as high as we think i guess because the schedule you guys mentioned and maybe the teams we're, we're about to get to are a little bit more competitive than uh than you know the general public thinks we'll see okay okay I'm just trying to build intrigue for our dark horses, yeah. guys. This, yeah, this I is like a little it. podcasting trick. It's, it's a good question. All right, so let's get to the dark horses. And Ryan, who's our first dark horse? Uh, the Hawkeyes, Iowa. Their win total is being set at seven and a half right now, and the under is the favorite at minus one thirty-five. Should be another typical Iowa season. It looks like the, they'll run the ball, play solid defense, win about seven or eight games. They do return quarterback Nathan Stanley, who had a pretty darn good sophomore year last year. He threw 26 touchdowns to only six interceptions. So Hornybrick would be jealous. Um, <laughs> it, 
But it was the running game that was surprisingly bad for them. They ranked 105th in rushing success rate, and they lose their two best running backs. They lose, and one of those is Akram Wadley, who was a great player for them. Um, and they lose two interior offensive linemen. So I don't know. I just don't see the offense being able to improve that much, um, if at all. So their defense, though, last year was really good. Okay against the run, but great against the past. And they lose two key contributors to that defense, Josie Jewell and Josh Jackson. Those guys were really good for them. They were great. Huge. Yep. Those are big. Yeah. However, they also lose their other two starting linebackers who were good in their own right, and Bo Bauer and Ben Neiman. So there's there's some definitely some uh, holes uh, on that defense to fill. And the good news is they do get Brandon Snyder back at safety from injury. He was a good player for them. So all things considered, I think it's going to be a solid defense, just maybe not quite as good as last year. So I'm leaning towards the under here, but I'm not super confident in it. I'm I'm also going to go under, uh, like you talk about, Ryan, the losses on the defense. I think those are huge. And, you know, I think we get caught up in, in trying to determine how good all these teams are and we're looking at their rosters. But, you know, just as important is the schedule. And yeah, Iowa has a favorable schedule here. They avoid Michigan, Michigan State and Ohio State. So they only have to play one of those big four from the east. So that's just right there from the schedule. That's an ex- extra win or two than than it could have been. But with the losses on the defense and and the fact that I think Nathan Stanley is maybe a little bit overrated coming into this year. He's got a a good TD to interception ratio like you mentioned Ryan, but that's not the only stat. He's 73rd in the country in yards per attempt last year, yeah. 56% completions. They were think- they were pretty conservative with him last year. There wasn't a whole lot of risk taking I I thought I felt like when I was watching him play. It was a lot of conservative throws. Yeah, so maybe they'll open it up a little bit more this year, but until I see it, I'm going to go under with Iowa. Well, it's funny, you know, we're talking about Stanley a lot, and you, you don't traditionally think of Iowa and, and good quarterback play, but I'm, I'm kind of like you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of Stanley, but I'm also not a fan. You know, <laughs> he, he does have, he seems to have a, a little bit more of a ceiling than, than previous Iowa quarterbacks have had, at least recently. Yeah. Uh, a, a name you guys didn't mention is Noah Fant. He's most likely going to be his best target. Uh, that guy is a, is a difference maker. They last year they also they struggled on first down and that kind of goes to your point Ryan of their their rushing attack not being so great and so in order for their offense to to improve they need to get ahead of the chains. Yep. Phil Parker he's going to have to work some some magic on defense to re- make uh to make hay on the defense to to replace those those contributors like you mentioned Ryan. But even with their favorable schedule, I just have a hard time being overly optimistic on Iowa over the years. So I see too many toss ups for them to to go over i'm going to take the under as well okay before we move on to our to our next dark horse uh we actually had a a bit of a college football celebrity call in and uh give her thoughts on on one of iowa's biggest games this year and that's beth moens of espn it's awesome pretty cool yeah pretty cool she she called in so everybody loves beth moens yeah so let's uh let's take a listen what's going on college football bros beth moens here huge fan of the podcast the game I'm looking forward to most on the schedule is Iowa at Purdue. <laughs> no more Akron Wadley for Iowa, but look out for Nathan Stanley, the hot quarterback for the Hawkeyes. He's going to have a big year. And I'm going to be saying touchdown Iowa every time he finds no fan in the end zone. So set your DVRs noon Eastern time every Saturday, 9 a.m. Pacific from West Lafayette. See you, bros. <laughs> oh, I'm honored, Beth. Wow. That is so good. 
That's uh, it's a little weird. Beth was uh calling from our fifteen year old cousin Nate's cell phone number, but uh, wow, I guess I guess they're friends. Apparently, definitely couldn't have been Nate, right? No way. No, that was no. Beth. All right. Well, thank you, Beth. Yeah. Now it's time to move on to our next dark horse, and it is Northwestern. Their over under is set at six. So there, there's reason to think they'll be good again this year, though. Their front seven is one of the best in the conference. They've got some guys coming back from injury at corner, which should help uh, maybe make up for some of the losses at safety. But offensively, there are a lot of question marks. Justin Jackson is gone, so we'll have to see if if Jeremy Larkin can can step up at running back and meet that production. But I think the biggest question mark is Clayton Thorson. First of all, I just don't think he's all that good. Yeah. Um, yep. So that's an issue if if you're me. <laughs> and he's he's coming off of an ACL injury in the bowl game. So we're not even sure he's going to be ready for week one, which is against Purdue. So that's a big game. And, and even, even if he is back, you'd have to imagine that his running ability is, is going to be limited. And if you look yeah. at ESPN's QBR, a big chunk of his value last year came as a runner, which you might not expect looking at his stats because he barely gains any yards. But that's because he sacked a lot. So yep. uh, college football, for some reason counts that as as rushing yards but anyway with that uncertainty i'm gonna go under yeah i uh i'm a little more optimistic on northwestern but i do agree with you on you know losing justin jackson's gonna be a blow and then they 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 lacked in the explosive plays last year they were towards the bottom of the country and and thorson has to change that if they want to succeed this season on defense, they return almost everyone from the first two lines, so that's going to be a benefit, the, the D-line and the, the linebackers. The problem for them is the back end. They ranked 62nd in S&P Plus against the pass last year, and the lack of returning depth there is not not going to help their cause. Now, the good thing for them is most of their schedule generally consists of run-first teams. Even though I'm, I'm not high on them contending for the West, I think they push or go over. Okay, that's that's fair. I'm, um, you know, I'm I'm kind of surprised I'm picking this, but I'm going under on Northwestern. Um, Michael laid out the concerns about Clayton Thorson. Well, you know, and that he'll, he's only going to be eight months removed from that surgery before the for the time and for that first snap. So that's just not a whole lot of time to get ready. Um, and then their second Should we game have Clayton the- Thorson. Should we have Clayton Thorson be the the new Alex Hornerbrook this year? Ooh man, he might be. Wow, potentially. He's a good candidate. He would be. <laughs> we'll see. He's got to throw him some more interceptions, though. Who is this year's Alex Hornerbrook? <laughs> um, but their second game of the year is against Duke, so it's kind of another toss-up type of game. Um, so that's yeah. you know, those are two toss-up games. First two two out of the gate. It's you would you would like to have a hundred percent Thorson, which it's just not looking like it's going to happen. But um, yeah, for that, and then defensively, you know, losing their safeties, Godwin Iwabuke. Um, and Cal Kiro, those two guys were really good back back there. So I think that's going to hurt losing them. So and then you know they have four games against potential top twelve teams. So it's going to be hard for them to to go over here. So I'm going under. All right, Trey, who's our next dark horse? We have the Purdue Boilermakers. Their over under sits at six, with the under being the favorite at minus one forty. Boiler up, Jeff Brom. He proved to be one of the better coaches last year when he he overachieved with this Purdue team, and they even won a bowl game over Arizona in thrilling fashion. I'm going to start, though, on the defensive side of the ball. Last year, they went from 99th to 35th in S&P Plus on that side. 
remarkable turnaround. But yeah. but this year they have a lot of turnover on the D line, linebacker, and even on the back end at, at corner. Offensively, quarterback Sindelar he finished the season in solid fashion, and he even did so on a on a torn ACL. He had almost 400 yards and four touchdowns in that in that bowl win that I mentioned against Arizona. They return a lot of offensive weapons, including two solid tight ends in Hopkins and Herdman. So the offense should take a step forward, especially since that's Brom's calling card. Now, even though I'm a big Brom guy, I'm more confident in Purdue having five wins than I am them having seven. So I have to lean under here. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely concerns about the defense, like you said, Trey, losing a lot of production there. Probably going to have a good amount of freshmen and sophomores getting snaps. Uh, but like you say, Nick Holt, the defensive coordinator, worked wonders last year, so maybe he can do it again. Uh, but either way, the offense this year is is what is going to need to carry the team. Jeff Brom's offense needs to be ready. I think they will be. So much production coming back, and whether it's Sindelar, who of course played through an ACL tear last year, or David Blau, um, I think they're both pretty similar as far as how the the amount of confidence I have in them. I think they're both decent. So I'm betting on Brom to get them to the next level and go over six. Wow. Wow. That's um okay. Um I've I'm gonna go under on Purdue. I think Brom is a great coach and he's gonna keep uh Purdue competitive for years to come, but I just can't see C seven with all the losses on defense. I mean um you guys mentioned the offense should be should be pretty good. But you didn't mention they do lose their biggest playmaker in wide receiver Anthony Mahugno. Mahugnu, I should should say. But um <laughs> You lost the pronunciation. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to it's a hard one to say. I know, but yeah. I do know that he was pretty much their best playmaker last year and he's gone. He's in the Philadelphia Eagles right now. So that's gonna hurt having that explosive player gone. Um so I just don't think they're gonna have enough to to get over here. I'm going under. All right. We have reached an important part of the podcast. It is our last dark horse and the college football bros may be our fans of this team. Ryan, who is it? The Nebraska Bug Eaters. Corn, Cornhuskers, sorry. <laughs> um, a, lot of, a lot of people don't know they used to be called the Bug Eaters. Yes, they did. Yep, exactly. Um, their current win total is six and a half, and the over is the slight favorite at minus 120. For us Nebraska fans, the savior is home, Scott Frost. Oh, it's glorious. <laughs> it's oh, glorious. Scotty. Anytime someone says Scott Frost, that's the clip that's getting played, guys. Nice. Absolutely. <laughs> the savior. Get it ready. Get it ready. Um, okay. Well, you know, I think there's a little bit of a misconception about the type of talent Nebraska has right now. People see the 4-8 and eight record last year and say, there's no talent in Lincoln, so they're going to be in big trouble this year. It's going to be really hard for Scott Frost. There's an element of truth to that, but I don't think it's totally true. If you look at the 247 uh, team rankings the last four years, Nebraska had the number one class in the Big Ten West every single one of those years. So there is talent there. It just hasn't been coached or developed properly um, with the, under the previous coach. I won't say his name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow, so that's harsh. You would think... Um, well, Riley's a big podcast guy. He listens to this stuff. Yeah, it's true. Um, so you would think that would change with Scott Frost with his and his track record as a coach. You'd think you'd be able to develop talent better. So the good news for us Husker fans is we do have a lot of uh, starters returning on both sides of the ball. The offensive line has six guys who have started. Is that good news? Well, I mean, yeah. you know, with proper coaching and they can't get worse, right? <laughs> no, it's true. That's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping. Uh, the O-line returns six guys who have started games. 
You get Stanley Morgan and J.D. Spielman on the outside. They form arguably the best duo at wide receiver in the conference. Um, the big question is that quarterback. You know, it's going to be uh, either redshirt freshman Tristan Jebbia or true freshman Adrian Martinez. And I honestly don't know who's going to start. I don't think maybe even Scott Frost doesn't know at this point. It seems to be pretty close. Martinez does seem like a better fit for what Frost wants. Um, he was there for spring ball, which will definitely help his case, but it's going to be hard to start a true freshman. So I'm going to lean towards Jebbia right now, but I'm going to let you guys dive in a little bit more on the defense. Um, but I'll just say I expect a big improvement on that side of the ball. They're going to be much more aggressive. So that's going to be exciting. Schedule is brutal, but I'm going to say they go over just barely and get to seven and five. So bias aside, I'm more excited to see what Frost can do at Nebraska than I am of Chip Kelly at UCLA or Jimbo at, at A&M. He, so you can, he just, did, you can just eliminate bias by just saying bias aside? Yeah, that's what I did. That's amazing. It, it is. It is. No offense, but you're ugly. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I said no offense, so you can't be mad at me. Bias aside, but I think we've got the best podcast in the world. <laughs> <laughs> when looking solely at 2018, though, it's going to be a challenge. Ryan, I don't entirely agree with you in the sense of Mike Riley, to me, didn't exactly leave the cupboard full. And, and then you combine that with their, their murderer's row of a schedule. There's going to be some some ups and downs and some growing pains this year. They, like you mentioned, they do have some weapons at receiver. Uh, but they, I'm also inter- interested to see how Tyjon Lindsay fits into the mold. He seems like a, a, a good fit for a frost offense. If Trey Bryant can stay healthy at running back, they should be solid there. And it's either way, it's going to be fun to see the progress as the years goes as the year goes on with with how this offense evolves under under Scott. Now, Frost addressed the defense as much as he could within the first few months. He added some key transfers, some JUCOs and and some freshman recruits. But they're still a long ways from being a, a traditional black shirt defense. So I'm going to take the under as the schedule is brutal. And I believe this number is slightly inflated for the Frost effect. I'm going to agree with you, Trey. Uh, you have to be optimistic about the future for Frost. But but yeah, this year is, is just brutal. A freshman quarterback, brutal schedule, new system. I just think the ceiling is is maybe seven wins. Or at least if, if Frost is able to get to eight wins, you might as well just start building a statue already because yeah. <laughs> that would be incredible. So because of that, um, I, I have to go under. I'm tempted to say they go five and seven, but... But I think you're right, Ryan. There is a lot of talent, especially on the offense um, with the receiving core and everyone you guys mentioned. So I think Frost can can fashion a, a decent offense out of that. And so I'll yeah. say they go six and six and make it to a bowl. I like it. Okay. And that, that's bias aside, by the way. So bias aside. Yeah. Of course. Oh, yeah. Okay. Of course. With bias, you're like they're 10 and two. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um all right. Well, that does it for the dark horses. Let's get to the long shots. Our first long shot is Minnesota. Their over-under is set at six, but the under is a minus 140 favorite. So it's year two for PJ Fleck after going five and seven in year one. I think the offense is is definitely going to be better this year. It's hard to be any worse than they were last year. Yeah. Their last two games, they lost by a combined 80 to zero. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which is not great. That, that was after putting up 54 on Nebraska. So go figure we, we had given up at that point man yeah but uh the new quarterback is likely to be redshirt freshman tanner morgan so we're not sure what to expect from him but i think he has a decent supporting cast coming back 
Rodney Smith at running back is solid. Tyler Johnson, especially as a big player receiver, he could have a big year. And then the O-line brings back four starters. And they actually have two intriguing freshmen. Their top two recruits were offensive Huge. linemen. Yeah, 6'9", 400, and 6'5", 370. So big boys. <laughs> <Some> big boys. <laughs> we'll see if they get in at some point. <laughs> um, the defense should still be okay, too. There's playmakers at every level. One guy to look out for, Antoine Winfield Jr., familiar name, comes back from injury at safety. He missed most of last year, so that's a big addition. So I'm going to take the the plus money over with Minnesota. Okay. I mean, Minnesota is really hard to predict this year because according to S&P Plus's um, projections, nine out of their 12 games are predicted to be within a touchdown or less. So the season could really go either way for them. They're going to have a lot of close games. Um, but I'm gonna I'm leaning under because of the question marks at quarterback with that freshman and a lack of depth along the defensive line. Minnesota was 102nd in S&P Plus against the run last year, and they lose three guys up front. So if they have an injury or two, I think it could get kind of ugly for them. Um, they do return some, some quality talent on, on that side of the ball. Um, they have um, two players in the front seven, in particular linebacker Thomas Barber and their Russian Carter Coughlin. Um, those are great players. But yeah. They're going to need some help. Uh, they they did get some help with their schedule. Actually, they they avoid Michigan, they avoid Michigan State and Penn State from the East. Um, but I just I don't see that being enough um, for them to get all the way to seven wins. So I'm I'm leaning under. Michael, you mentioned Tyler Johnson. He's one of my one of my favorite players. Last year, he averaged ten yards per target. So he's he's a big play receiver in this conference. And but they're they're going to have a little bit of a youth movement on defense with the fair amount of their production being gone. So I think we're going to have to give Fleck another year or two on both sides of the ball to see if his recruiting can fill the holes. But again, to me, this is one of those schedules where I look at it and I see a better chance of them winning five than I do seven. So I'm going to take the under. Keep rowing, Gophers. <laughs> yeah, year two was was big for Fleck at Western Michigan. So we'll see if he uh, yeah, has the magic at Minnesota. But we're we're down to our final contender. God, contender, man. Yeah, right. right. Uh, our final long shot. Who's that, Ryan? Uh, well, before before we go on, if us three lined up against PJ Fleck at the end of the quarter to run to the other side of the field, yeah, who wins? He would win. Okay, Fleck <laughs> wins. All right, and then who wins amongst the bros? Um, I think that would be me. Yeah, I feel like Ryan would win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe Ryan. Michael's got the bigger strides, so, but. Yeah, he's not exactly a, a speedster. No, I'm not. He's kind of he's got those Wilton Spate legs, you know? Oh, man. <laughs> Why did Wilton Spate oh, have man. to be dragged into this? <laughs> wow. Well, you know. I've got, I've got like Clayton Thorson post-ACL surgery. Uh, <laughs> <legs>. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, okay, so Trey's last. We all agree. Trey's yeah, last. Yeah, what the heck? I got no love on that segment. All right. Never mind. Trey, Trey's got the Brett Bielema ones. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, let's get to our uh, our long shot here. Uh, Illinois, they are a very long shot type team. <laughs> Their current win total is being set at four, and the, the under is the heavy favorite at minus 160. It's been a rough start for Lovey uh, at Illinois. And uh, while I think they're going to improve a little bit uh, since they were incredibly young last year, they're still going to suck. Um, and they won't make a bowl game. <laughs> yeah. Um, their offense was horrible last year, especially the quarterbacks. I mean, if they're going to have any chance of making a bowl game, the quarterbacks will have to play 
or have to make a substantial, almost inhuman improvement. Whoa. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. Cam Thomas is will most likely be the guy at quarterback, and he's essentially just a running back playing quarterback. He's a very, very bad passer. Um, he completed 42% of his passes and didn't throw a single touchdown pass compared to five picks. So can't throw. They do <laughs> uh, They do bring in a transfer and A.J. Bush, and Nebraska fans know who that is. That's where he started his college career. Then he transferred to Virginia Tech and then to a JUCO, and then now he ended up in Illinois. So don't expect too much from him. Um their defense should improve. I mean, it wasn't great. It definitely wasn't great last year, but they're only going to have one senior who was going to be a key contributor for them in Delshawn Phillips. So overall, I don't just don't think there's a doubt that Illinois is going to be better than last year, but they're still likely to be the worst team in the conference. So I'm going to, I'm going to go under and say they go three and nine. That was a bit of a depressing preview, Ryan. I didn't, I did not enjoy that. I know. Well, I mean, you gave me Illinois. I mean, what am I supposed to do? Like, <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to take Illinois. I'm going to I'm going to put a positive spin on it. I'm going to try. All right. So they played a ton of freshmen last year, and it it did not work out for them last year. But you got to think it's going to pay some dividends this year. A couple guys, Lewis Dorsey at tight end, Ricky Smalling at receiver, both played well as freshmen. I think they started like three or four freshmen at O line. So. You have to think they're going to take big strides in their sophomore year. More than half of their starts on the offensive line were freshmen. Yeah, exactly. So they've got to get better. Of course, they're not going to be great, but there's improvement there. And then the quarterback play was so bad that I just have to think it's going to be better. I know Cam Thomas hasn't looked good, but I really like the the new offensive coordinator, Rod Smith. He comes from Arizona, did a great job with quarterbacks there. So I've got to think that he can get a little bit more out of these quarterbacks. And then the defense... Yes, it was also bad, but you know, they didn't create a lot of turnovers last year. The team was 106th in turnover margin, so you might expect that to regress especially with some more experience on the defense. So, I'm hoping for an over and I'm going to say over. Wow. wow. Good for five you. wins for Illinois. Oh man. Well, I'm um, give me plus 130. I mean, they've got two guaranteed wins to start out the season. Do they? And yes, really? I'm saying guaranteed. Wow. Kent State at home. Kent State is bad. Like Yeah, but so so is Illinois. Really bad. And then home to Western Illinois, which I haven't broken down Western Illinois, but I imagine the the Leathernecks are not great. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Good for you, Michael. I mean, I'm trying to find the positives and, you know, one one positive. I'll give you a positive. Check out Lovey Smith's beard at Media Days. He's got that going for him. So I actually didn't see that yet. Oh yeah, he, it's it's impressive. Okay. Well, they, you know what? There's there is a positive. They have a five star recruit coming in the pipeline. They just they have Isaiah Williams, Juice Williams, two right? Yeah, they've got two top one hundred recruits, I think, or at least two highly recruited yeah. guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's uh, that's about it. But um, you know, I I agree with you, Michael. I do like that offensive coordinator hire from Arizona because he's a, he's a Rich Rod disciple. So he, they tend to get a, a decent amount out of their quarterbacks because they have the ball in their hands a little bit more. But now they just need to get the quarterback capable of doing that. The youth movement can only hopefully get better, but I just don't see a lot of hope in Champagne, and I see them going under. Okay, well let's uh, let's move on to the hot seat. And Trey, it is your turn to be on the hot seat this episode. Are you ready? Bring it on. Who is the best quarterback in the Big Ten West? So I'm going to go out on a little bit of limb, and I'm going to say Elijah Sindelar from Purdue. Wow. Now Whoa. I'm going to get, I'm going to get pie in the I'm going to get pie in the face if David Blau starts. But this is mainly a play on my love for Jeff Brom and how he can develop offenses, especially in year two for his system. 
he finished the last few games of the year with a torn ACL, and he actually improved his passer rating then. So you're saying he should always play with a torn ACL? <laughs> no. No. Oh, oh. I'm just saying he, he improved towards <laughs> the end of the year even with the torn ACL. So imagine if he didn't have the torn ACL. So he has a lot of his weapons returning, and I'm expecting a, a, you know, a little bit better season from Purdue and Sindelar. Please start, Sindelar. Please start. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might see both of them, but we'll see. Yeah. Which non-conference game involving a team from the Big Ten West are you most looking forward to? So I thought about Iowa, Iowa State, and Nebraska, Colorado, but I'm going to say Notre Dame, Northwestern. What's unique about this one is that it's at Northwestern, and it's not until early November. So Evanston's going to be rocking, and this might be a chance to upset a Notre Dame team that'll most likely be in the mix for the playoff. Okay, that's a good one. Um, who is the most underrated player in the division? Tough one. I, w- I would think about Nathan Stanley here, but I'm going to steer away from from an Iowa quarterback and someone you know. I'm going to go with Northwestern defensive lineman Joe Gaziano. Mm. Last year, he had 12 and a half tackles for loss, nine sacks. He forced four fumbles and recorded 36 tackles. So he's a one-man wrecking crew. So Joe Gaziano. All right, last question, Trey. You're in Nebraska for one night, and both Eric Crouch and Scott Frost invite you out to dinner, but you can only go to dinner with one of them. Who are you choosing? Scott Frost. Whoa. 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 Yeah. Eric, you know, he he had his run, but it was just those four years. I, I, I loved him there, but I also loved Frost, and what Frost has done at UCF and what he's doing now in Lincoln, I would have so much more... So many more questions and so much more I'd want to kind of gain from him insight. So, Frost. Because, Michael, he is the savior. (laughs) Please work, Scott Frost. Please work. All right. Well, very, very well done, Trey. Let's get to our Big Ten championship picks. Ryan, who you got? Okay. Well, I, I'm saying it's going to be a repeat of last year's teams. It's going to be Wisconsin versus Ohio State again. But this year, I'm going to say Wisconsin gets the job done, and uh, they're going to be moving on to the playoff. All right. I'm going to disagree with you there. I'm, I've also got the same two teams, but I think Ohio State is just more talented. I just, I just trust them more year after year. But the big advantage these two teams have to get to the Big Ten Championship is that they don't play each other during the regular season, and they also don't play themselves. Oh, which is always nice. Wow. Yeah, yeah, because that would be tough. It's like the Alabama ah. effect, you know. It's like, oh, they have such an easy schedule. Well, it's because they never have to play Alabama. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to say Michigan here, but I'm just not fully sold that Shea Patterson can that dramatically change the Michigan offense. So Ohio State beats Wisconsin. It's boring, but it's predictable. All right, that does it for our Big Ten championship picks. Let's get to our questionable finish. Minnesota head coach P.J. Fleck famously touts the phrase, row the boat. If you were a head coach, what would be your motivational catchphrase? All right, I would say, um, don't wait for it to happen, make it happen. All right, I like that. I like that. Yeah. I would say, no pressure, no diamonds, <laughs> which I, I ripped off of RG3. <laughs> but uh, And then I'd let the MVPs of the previous practice wear a diamond-encrusted helmet wow. in the next practice. Nice. Yeah, yeah. This episode is brought to you by Tiffany's. So. Yes, absolutely. 
Mine would be be better. <laughs> LeBron? Be better on the field. Be better at tackling. Be better at blocking. Be better in the classroom. Be better in your relationship. Be better. Okay. All right. Illinois could heed that advice. Yeah. Yeah. Be better, Illinois. <laughs> Purdue's Rondell Moore, a 5'9", 175-pound receiver, squatted 600 pounds in a viral video last week. Wow. What special talent that you have would catch people by surprise? So, I have many special talents. Too too many to name, in fact. (laughs) So, I'm going to answer this differently and say something that I can't do, surprisingly. Okay. I can't whistle, and it is frustrating. Wow. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. It's just pure blowing. It's I can't. just Trey blowing straight into the listener's ears. <laughs> I, I just, I can't whistle. All right. I can can move my right eye while keeping my left eye perfectly still, which is really creepy, but that, that's like my only talent. <laughs> All right. Nice, Mike. Good for you. Yeah. Um, you know, just by taking a look at me, um, you would not think that I was a good basketball player, but guess what? I was. <laughs> if you don't say so yourself. Yeah, really. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, like I go play pickup or something and, you know, people are just like, oh, I'm not going to guard that guy. Look at him. But then all of a sudden, well, you know what? Okay. You can actually play a little bit. All right. Last question. Name something as likely as Illinois winning the Big Ten West. I'll go first and say Beth Moen's not calling the Iowa-Purdue game at 9 a.m. <laughs> that is gonna a lot. Happen. It's going to happen. It's more likely... That our favorite Twitter follower, Braden Hodges, will root for Michigan. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Bra- Braden has been, he's been threatening our podcast, so so I need to be nice to him. Yeah. So, so yeah, be, I, be, be better, Braden Hodges. Can one of us say something nice about Michigan State for him? We were really harsh last podcast. I mean, the defense is going to be great. David Dow, amazing safety. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Go green, go white. Josiah Scott, great corner. I just want to name some names. I, earlier in one of our podcasts, I threw up Ryan Lewerke as a potential Dark Horse Heisman candidate. So, all right. You know, there's that. Um, okay. So, I'll say uh, it's as likely as me eating seafood, which is just never going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> never. Yeah. The Newman brothers are are notoriously picky. Especially when it comes to seafood. All right. One more player, Felton Davis, wide receiver, another great Michigan State guy. I hope you still still like us, Braden. Um, okay. There you go, Braden. That'll do it for our Big Ten preview episodes. Be sure, if you haven't already, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find the link on our Twitter bio, at CFB Bros. We will talk to you next week when we preview the ACC. Thanks for listening. Scott Frost. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.